now on the air from the state of Florida, where our 45th president temporarily resides until his triumphant return to that big house on Pennsylvania Avenue in 2024. Once again, it's time for the Flagler Trump Club's Future of Flagler podcast. Here are the three patriots who will keep Flagler County red while making America great again. Your host, Trump Club President Mike McElroy, along with Trump Club Vice President and Palm Coast City Councilman Ed Danko, and Trump Club Board Director, better known as the Shadow Mayor of Palm Coast, Alan Lowe. Hello, Flagler County. Welcome to the Flagler Trump Club podcast. Uh, We're here to keep Flagler red. I'm here today with my co-host, Alan Lowe, our, one of our other co-hosts, could not Ed Danko, could not be here today. So it's just Alan and I, so if the ratings drop, we'll know why. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> the, uh, before we start, um, it's a lot to cover, a lot of topics. We thought we would talk a little bit about the election, but then we had some breaking news uh, happening here locally at the school board, where yeah. the school board flirted with defying Governor DeSantis's executive order and passing a mandatory mask policy. Yes, they and did. More about that in a few minutes. Um, we all know that President Trump has heavily criticized President Biden for the collapse of uh, a policy in Afghanistan. President, by President Biden's estimate. There's about 15,000 Americans left in Afghanistan, although there seems to be some dispute between President Biden and the uh, secretary, the Defense Department, where their spokesman said they weren't sure how many were left. But in any event, the U.S. military is at the airport, and uh, they've indicated that it may be difficult for Americans to get to the airport to be evacuated, uh, the President Biden has said the buck stops here for the failure in, in that, but he's also he never started. He way. also started pointing a lot of fingers at everybody else. Of course. Uh, General Milley, who is the Joint Chiefs of Staff, indicated that he had never expected or didn't see intelligence that indicated that the Afghan army would collapse that quickly against the Taliban. But if you read the article deeply enough, you find that they were given three or four scenarios, one of which was that the they could have expected a collapse within weeks. So it wasn't quite weeks. It was like 11 days. Yeah. Uh, but Milley did have, have that information, and so presumably did Biden. Biden has indicated he thinks al-Qaeda is a bigger threat than the Taliban, but I think that the 15,000 Americans stuck in They'll Afghanistan might, right might, might want to argue that point. Yeah, I would think so. Okay. Other news, uh, I noticed that um, we had the uh, frankspeech.com. Mike Lindell had his symposium. However, that was hacked. Uh, People had trouble getting to it, and there's a little controversy around all of that. But one thing I did note is that in um, in, in the epic news, they carried a story about the public interest... Uh, Legal Foundation, which is headed by a former Justice Department official based in Indianapolis. It's a conservative foundation. And what they have found through their research is that there were, during the 2020 election, something like 14.7, so almost 15 million 
unaccounted for mail-in ballots. As we know, in 2020, the mail-in ballots were an experiment. Many states adopted them because of COVID and were encouraging people to come. And what they found in this study by the uh, PILF, the Public Interest uh, Legal Foundation, was that the counties that had the least experience with mail-in ballots also threw the most of them out and the highest number out and we're having problems. So, well, you know, in, in the, not to segue to it too, but the, uh, the mayoral race that we just went through here, the, uh, county sent out approximately 20,000 mail-in ballots and a, just around 10,000 came back. So we have 10,000 unaccounted for mail-in ballots and unaccounted for may not have, may not have been sent back or, you know, what, but 10,000 people didn't send the mail-in ballot back. It's a it's a high number of ballots. As you point out, though, the city A didn't do much average. No, they, they, the what city did they budgeted five hundred dollars. The city budgeted five hundred dollars to advertise the mayoral race. That would be like, uh, you know, going out to dinner <laughs> with a big family, and then it's over. So, interestingly, on the last day, the 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 twenty seventh, August twenty seventh, for the election. While I was at the uh, the library, people were coming up to me with books in their hand because they were going to the library, asking me what was going on. So even on the last day, people in Palm Coast didn't know there was an election going. It, yeah. It's actually disgusting. So for those of you that haven't followed, if you've been out of the country or living in a bunker, Alan <laughs> ran for mayor um, this under the special election, yep. which had to be done within how many days, Alan? I th- right around 60 days. Yeah, the charter, the city charter calls for a 60-day period of election. And as Alan's already noted, there wasn't much average. Now, you locked, you knocked on quite a few doors. I, th- I think, you know, myself and then Ed and uh, a couple other people, we managed to knock on probably about 7,000 doors. And, and how many did you find that were, when you were knocking, unaware of the election? It, it dwindled as we got closer, but I would say probably 30% didn't know that there was an election. So had you not knocked on their door, they, they might not have voted. Might not have voted. Um, so that that's, you know, there's we know that in off-election years, you know, the turnout is less. It's going to be than, less. But, but we, we also know that mail-in ballots have had a tremendous effect on the elections. So yes. Florida has always had mail-in ballots. Uh, if you could not be there, they were really referred to as absentee, absentee ballots, ballots right. where you requested a ballot and it's tracked, you sign it, it goes in. Um, but but this, again, with COVID, the nature of a lot of these mail-in ballots changed and they changed the nature of the election. Yeah, it did. And, and you know, again, to this, may, this special mayoral race, three quarters of the city didn't vote, whether they mailed in or in person, just didn't vote. Three quarters of the city. So we had roughly 18,000 votes in this mayoral race. And a lot of people don't understand is with the school board, with all of these things, our local races impact us far more than the, than the federal races do or the state race. Well, absolutely. I mean, you are much closer to local government. The federal government is much further away. So, so your local government officials have a lot more to do with your quality of life. hundred percent. Uh, than, than Washington, although Washington frequently tries 
to interfere. An example would be uh, Governor DeSantis and COVID, where Biden has threatened that he's, he wants to intervene. Right. Uh, he'll, he'll Governor DeSantis has issued an executive order which says that the school systems cannot adopt mandatory mask policies without a parental opt-out for the student. Right. And it also, I believe, limits the number of days that they can, it, as an emergency, they can do it. I think it's like 90 days where they could have I think so, yes. a, a mandatory mask policy as long as the student can opt out. Uh, the left-wing media and Democrats are using this in the hope of defeating Governor DeSantis in the 2022 election. Uh, they're trying to do to Governor DeSantis what they think they did to... Donald Trump yeah. by portraying him as uncaring and incompetent on the uh, COVID pandemic. Giant, giant smear campaign. Yeah. Now, never mind that there would be no vaccine without President Trump and Operation Warp Speed. Yeah, they seem to forget that. Okay. Uh, secondly, the vaccine itself now, there's a study that suggests that uh, the vaccines wane in their effectiveness as time goes on. Within about six months. So we know that while the vaccines may be protecting people from, you know, severe illness and death, uh, it does not necessarily prevent them from becoming infected. In fact, the overwhelming... And, and spreading it. The overwhelming majority of people with it do, do you know, it's like a flu or and, and get by. But for about 1% or more, you know, slightly more, uh, it can be a much more serious issue we had one city councilman who was hospitalized hospitalized, uh up in uh, the mayo clinic i think yes he's back uh i guess he's doing better how's how's he doing i haven't personally spoken to him since he's been back but the fact that he is back uh is a big sign and he's working he's at the at his uh job so the point i want to make here is that well first of all the federal government exaggerated either mistakenly or deliberately, yeah. the, the numbers uh, that, of Florida cases, uh, they had to revise that because of the pushback from Governor DeSantis. Um, and the masking policies, <clears throat> uh, some of the school districts in Florida, a couple of them have decided to defy DeSantis's uh opt-out policy by with, with making the hope it that uh, with what Biden said was that he would pay the the teachers' salaries and so forth if they go against DeSantis's orders. Yeah. So now it's on a, a hope and prayer for those people. Now, Governor DeSantis has had a panel of experts throughout all of this, who including infectious disease doctors, who have advised him, and the science on masks is. While there's a consensus that the masks contain drop will prevent the spread of droplets, there's no consensus on the uh, existence of aerosols. So, right. so if you're not wearing an N95 mask, which was a mask designed to prevent the transmission of viruses to reduce it to, in the smallest infinitesimal-sized particles which is what the N95 mask properly fitted is designed to do. The surgical masks uh, and other types of cloth masks that people are wearing um, are not designed to do that. No, they're a placebo. The studies, which are not gold standard uh, randomized 
studies because it wouldn't be ethical in a disease environment to have some people wear masks and some people not wear masks. So the studies have been (laughs) epidemic-wise have been uh, used both before masking and after masking to suggest that a mask will limit, again, I say the large droplets that, that go out, and that by doing that, it pr- primarily it limits it from the infected person. So those, those droplets, if you're talking, coughing, or sneezing, don't transmit as easily as they would were you not wearing a mask. Uh, that's the basis of, of the whole notion of masking and, and what we're doing. Um, Governor DeSantis, although if you read the media, they would say that he is uh, anti-mask. That hasn't been the case. No, not at all. It's optional. He's encouraged masking. He's encouraged vaccines. The Florida vaccination rate is right on target with the United States vaccination rate, which, by the way, is uh, very high compared to the rest of the world. And he's also opening up the antibody uh, clinics. So two countries that are experiencing also a resurgence of uh, COVID-19 are Israel and, and the U.K., both of which had higher vaccination rates than the United States. I think the U.K. was at something like 70%. Yeah, they, they were, they Israel really was, it. you know, trending toward, it was over 50. And now the United States, I think, is now over 50 and trending toward a 60% rate. I think so, yes. So uh, we had a little drama right here to, to transition in Flagler County uh, the other night, and that was caused by, I think it kicked off, I don't know if it was caused by, uh, but there was a student at Indian Trails Middle School who went to school and uh, was then brought from, I guess, from classroom or when he arrived at school, brought to an isolation room and questioned about his vaccine status and other things. Without his parents being present. His parents weren't aware this was happening, and apparently he was not the only student to which it happened. Yeah. Uh, his mother stated at the school board meeting that um, she was contacted on the weekend before he went to school on Monday uh, by someone saying they were from the health department and saying that he may have been exposed to covid and I'm quoting her now, right? Uh, and that uh, he needed to, if he wasn't vaccinated, they asked, you know, and, and they apparently have a religious exemption from the vaccination. That's what they've said. Uh, the, if he wasn't vaccinated, he would have to quarantine and not go to school for, I guess, five days, some, something yeah, like that. To the 21st, whatever. Yeah. I don't know how many days. Yeah, so 16, I guess... He went in on this. It was supposed to be from the 16th to the 21st, yeah. I think. Okay. We're going to now hear from supporters who help keep this podcast going. Are you twisted enough for Twisted Minds escape rooms? Then check us out at twistedminds.com and book an adventure today. You can choose between Camp Calico or the mysteries of Vanished. How about travel back in time to 1840s California and visit Digger's General Store? Get ready coming late spring early summer 2021 a little bit of mayhem at twisted minds escape rooms in palm coast check us out at twistedminds.com or give us a call at 888-92-TWIST we'll be waiting 
Tired of sitting at home restless? Need to exercise? Playing golf is one of the best ways to stay fit, and golf courses are one of the safest places to be. The gorgeous 18-hole Gary Player-designed Cypress Knoll Golf Course is open to the public. Enjoy your game in the heart of Palm Coast, surrounded by nine glimmering lakes and plenty of wildlife. Your safe and healthy choice is Cypress Knoll Golf, voted the most beautiful course in Flagler County. Call to book your tee time, 437-5807. That's 437-5807. Thanks to uh, our our helpers, our supporters, because we this podcast wouldn't be possible without them. So, getting back to the Flagler County School Board meeting, uh, I gather it was packed. Yeah, I went to it, and um, yeah, the room was pretty full. I, I couldn't give you an exact number, but I would guess there was probably a hundred people there. Uh, and so, a hundred people, many of them, if not most of them, were there to uh, protest what had happened to this student. Yeah, the, va- the vast majority of people were there to, uh, to support the, the family of the, of the boy that uh, was basically removed from school that day, and, uh, but also to put their feelings towards mandatory man- mandates from the school. Rasks. So in the course of the meeting, um, I guess there was a lot of clapping and cheering and probably some booing. And No, actually, uh, there was a lot of clapping and cheering. Uh, I would say probably five or six speakers went up to the podium, you know, uh, from the audience. And when they finished speaking, there was some clapping and so forth for them uh, when, that were anti-mask uh, uh, mandate. The other people that were pro-mask mandate also went up. There weren't many of them, but they went up. I didn't hear anybody boo or give any kind of dissent towards people that were pro-mask because basically every there, everybody there believed it was your choice. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. That was the, the sentiment that was of the, the overall crowd. But there were a couple of warnings uh, given by the chair. Um to not applaud or give any kind of, uh, you know. Cheers, Trevor Tucker. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, to give any kind of, you know, clapping or whatever, uh, just be silent as each person went up and spoke and went back. That was violated a couple of times. He repeated it a couple of times. The, uh, the school board attorney repeated it once or twice. And then there was a final, not the last public speaker, but a final as the you know, as the before the meeting was adjourned, there was a a person that went up and spoke, um, mentioned that they were a little disappointed that the that the school board wasn't enforcing the no clapping rule harder by kicking people out. That lady then left the podium, and personally, I heard nothing. I heard no noise, no speaking, nothing. But immediately, the school board attorney ended the meeting. And had everybody, or asked that everybody leave the room. And oh, wait! Stop right there. The school board attorney, yes. not, not the chair, not the chair. Okay, and there was so, no motion to adjourn, no motion for recess. She just canceled it. So, by Robert's rules of order, the person controlling, and that would apply to all governmental bodies, uh, the meeting is the chair. Is the chair right? And the chair never turned it over. There was never a motion. There was never anything. The attorney took control as parliamentarian. Well, but the parliamentarian is an advisor. 
Yeah. The chair rules on parliamentary rules. issues. Right. And in fact, if the chair even rules incorrectly on a parliamentary issue, uh, only a court <laughs> could yeah. decide the chair was so, wrong. So then let me back up a little bit and say that the, that the, the school board attorney just took over his chair immediately without being without no motion oh. nothing and then and then adjourned the meeting with no motion or anything and removed everybody from the room now when she did that there was an uproar uh because people wanted to be heard and uh and they weren't going to be heard they, they were being removed now two of the school board members Janet McDonald and Jill Woolbright tried to keep the meeting going and tried to uh, Jill tried to, you know, get a little bit of decorum back in the meeting because people were mad now. They weren't going to be heard. And uh, and Janet wanted to stay in the room and hear what people had to say. The rest, the, the rest of the crowd, uh, meaning the rest of the school board and all of the ancillary school board people, they all left the room. Janet and Jill stayed in the room. Jill, I believe, then left the room, and Janet sat down to hear what the people had to say. Uh, one person approached the podium, began to speak. Uh, Trevor, the chair, walked back in the room, gave the, you know, the, the cut of the throat kind of sign, and they shut the microphones off and shut everything down so nobody could speak. They then called the police to have people removed from the building. When the police arrived, I left the room, and, uh, but there were a lot of people that didn't leave the room. And I stood outside and counted 12 sheriff deputy cars. Now, I don't know how many deputies themselves, minimum of 12, right, uh, possibly 24. There was no, no violent disturbance of anybody. There, there weren't any arrests. There weren't anything that happened like that. Uh, and the people, have, uh, people left the room. As soon as everybody was out of the room, they then restarted the meeting, but they would only allow the people that hadn't spoken at the podium yet that's names were on a list to individually enter the room to speak. But there was no public allowed back in yet. So I think we might have a violation of the Sunshine Law there because things were happening in private. And then after a little while, they did allow whoever had stayed, probably about 45 minutes, maybe a half hour, 45 minutes, uh, whoever had stayed was allowed back into the into the meeting. So it, there was a lot of disturbing things, I would say, that happened at that meeting. Well, it would be disturbing that a non-elected official made yes. decisions that should have been made by elected officials. And the elected, the elected official, the chair, Trevor, did nothing to pull it back. Right. And I don't know how it was reported to the police, but, you know, if the, it was reported to the poli the sheriff as an unruly or a potentially uh, a problem crowd, of course, they're going to send enough deputies, you yeah. know, to handle 100 people. So while it may seem excessive to people that there were 10 or 12 deputies there, uh, that would all depend on the information the sheriff yeah, was Yeah, they had giving. no idea. So yeah. I'll agree with that. So uh, what's, again... Disturbing is that, and I, I want to get to it, uh, after the meeting resumed or somewhere before it ended, the vice chair, uh, Colleen Conklin, who has been a longtime school board member, and I don't know if she's on her, I don't, can't forget how many terms, but a long, long time, at least four, I think, uh, or on her fourth, um, made a motion first 
to have a mask mandate in compliance with with what the governor suggested, I gather. Is that right? Uh, I didn't re-enter the room right, well, afterwards. My understanding, based on news reports, is, is that she, yeah. she made a motion for the 90-day mask mandate with right. an opt-out. Uh, that failed. That failed, yeah. That failed. I believe Colleen and Cheryl Massaro voted in favor, but I believe three of them, including the chair, Trevor Tucker, yeah, voted, uh, voted it down. Then she made another motion to just do what some of the other school districts have done, a couple in Florida, which is just to have a mask mandate in, in and not never mind the governor's executive order. That also, well, I, that I, didn't even get a second, I, I believe. I, well, I, I had heard, and I, again, I wasn't there for the end of the meeting, but I had heard that her second motion was to have masks on the school buses. Right. Uh, that's, yeah, you, I stand corrected. Then she went to the third one, which yeah, was right. a mask mandate um, with, without right. any compliance and, and with the governor's directive, and, and she couldn't even get a second on that one. Right. So we're fortunate. It's an example of what you've preached, which is... I don't know what I preach a lot of stuff. People in the audience, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's so, the whole thing. People have to come to these meetings because if you don't come to the meeting, you have no control over what's going to happen. Yeah. So no a lot of elected governing bodies, if you've been to meetings, whether they be city meetings, county meetings, school board meetings, uh, have very few people attending the entire meeting, for one thing, and certainly commenting right. they, on policy. So you'll get a... Uh, what I would refer to as a dog and pony show of some types of presentations, and there may be some people there for those. And then as soon as the presentations are over, people leave. The room clears, yeah. And I, and I had gone, you know, prior to the mayor's race, I had gone to every city council meeting and so forth, and many times I was either the only one or one of two sitting out there listening to what was going on. It was very frustrating, and I have begged people to come. Yeah, which tells the elected officials when you're not there. That they don't care? That we must be doing well because nobody cares what we're doing. Right. So an example would be tax rates, as you've pointed out, millage rates, millage rates, which if you leave the millage rate the same, in effect, with with the property appraisals going up, you've had a tax you've increase. You've had a tax increase. Uh, so what you want to do is get, get those millage rates down. But if the public doesn't attend or doesn't care, the local governing body is pulled by staffing and other kinds of, of things that they want to do for right. the city to expand government. And, and so they're willing to spend that taxpayer money. Yeah. And, and that's a big problem because, you know, we, well, again, we had three quarters of the city didn't vote on this mayor's race. And the current mayor said, <coughs> excuse me, that he would reduce or he would not increase taxes, but he's in favor of holding the millage rate at what it was last year. But according to our property appraiser, we've had a 10% increase. It's actually higher, but we've had a 10% increase in property value of, a, of appraised value. And so people without a homestead exemption, which is every business and rentals and so forth, they're going to get a minimum of a 10% increase over what they paid last year. And that's going to trickle down to everybody. It's going to cost money no matter. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. They still have the ability to lower it further, the, the, the if they're willing rate. to, but they now can't people go have to show above up. that rate, but they can go below it. But people are going to have to show up at these meetings and insist that they do. I mean, Parks and Recreation has asked for a twenty-five percent increase in budget. I don't know if the budget. I haven't seen the line items, so I can't see what they're asking for at this moment. But 
I'm sure there's cuts that can be made in various areas. I'm sure, and hopefully someone there will hold their feet to the fire. I'm hoping and, Ed will. Well, I, I'm pretty sure Ed will, will bring up things. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of fat in the budget that could be trimmed. Of course. And, uh, you know. Uh, and we can do it without, without hampering services and without, you know, reducing what the city expects. But there's a lot of fat. Everybody puts in their wish lists. Okay. Uh, so, you know, one of the things we didn't get to do is chat about, which we had originally intended to do, uh, your mayoral race, uh, you know, because we're running out of time. Well, we could save it for another day. But we will get to it, yes, because I think people are interested in what you experienced and in I what think, happened I in the race. I think it should be known because there's a lot of inconsistencies that happen. And I'm not saying that the race, w- that, the, that the election was f- fraud or anything like that, but there were inconsistencies in policies that happened that need to be discussed. Okay, I just want to remind everybody that uh, our next Flagler uh, Trump Club meeting will have Sheriff Staley giving us a report on the border. Yes. Uh, that's going to be exciting. He was down there. And uh, we meet on the third Monday of the month. That'll be September 20th, 6.30 at the VFW on Old Kings Road. Yeah, please be there. We, we come a little bit early because we often fill the house. And, and I also want to remind you that you can listen to our podcast on the Flagler number four Trump dot com page, or you can go to our Facebook page, which is just Flagler the number four Trump, and you can listen to this podcast in either of those locations. Tell your friends about it. Share it away. The future of Flagler is sponsored by the Flagler Trump Club. Our meetings are every third Monday, starting at six thirty p.m. at the Palm Coast VFW. Visit our website, flaglerfortrump.com. That's flagler, the number four, trump.com to learn more. Let's make America great again.